beginning, the stuff that's required for a new beginning, um, grabbing hold of that new beginning, uh, healings within a new beginning. Uh, and I want to keep going with that because part of a new beginning, part of any of us stepping into all that God has for us is one very important thing that actually was captured by Stephen Furtick and that is that we have to give God the place of honour. We have to place him first. If we want new beginnings, then God has to be first in our life. And so that's where I'm hoping to go today. Uh, we're going to read from Mark. We're going to continue in Mark. We're going to jump at, at verse 35. I'm going to pray first, and then we'll, we'll jump straight in. Hey? <laughs> so here we go. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this house. God, I, I thank you for those that are at home that are watching because of our ability to stream. I Thank you for the churches that are open today. I thank you for those that are open tomorrow because tomorrow is the Sabbath in their country. God, I thank you, Lord, that everywhere the Christian church is alive and well. I thank you, Lord, that the name of Jesus is not only being proclaimed within the buildings, but, Lord, across the airwaves covering the entire globe. And I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is alive and well. I thank you that Holy Spirit talks to us and guides us and comforts us. I thank you that even now, Holy Spirit will take our hearts and shape it and, and, Lord, prune it and cut it and make us more as he moulds us into the image of Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you, Lord, we just say, have your way in this place today to do what you need to do. Lord, speak to our hearts that we truly may fall deeper and deeper in love with you. So we look forward to what you have to say. And everybody said, Amen. Cool. So from verse 35 of Mark chapter 1, and it reads making sure I've got my translations correct, uh, generally reading from the newly inspired version, the NIV. Um, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. And just before I read the last verse that I want to capture, really, I love this because I think about home, you know. Where are you, Mel? The kids are looking for you. You know, like there's an urgency there normally for me if I'm yelling that out. And there's an urgency here because Simon or Simon Peter, if you prefer, Simon Peter and his companions are like, Jesus, everyone is looking for you, dude. Where are you? Why? It's like they're saying, why are you hiding? And Jesus, right? doesn't say, oh, really? Let me go see what they want. You know what he says? Let us go somewhere else. I just love that. The next time you're looking for me, now, quick, let us go somewhere else. No, I'm joking. Anyway, this is really important part of the message. So just keep that, lock it away. It's important. Verse 39, so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So new beginnings. We have to put Jesus first. If we want a new beginning, if we want God to fire something up in our life, we need to be able to place him first. We need to be able to put him in every part of our life, give him glory in every part of our life. We need to be able to put him on the pedestal, not one that we just look at and revere, but the one that we honour, yeah? I've talked about this before, if you think about it for a minute. When, as Christians, we decide to get baptised, what we're actually doing is we're doing the will of God. When we decide to get baptised, we're actually putting God's first because we're showing people that exact thing. When you get baptised, when someone comes out of the baptismal water, we're saying to those that are around us, we're putting Jesus first in our life. Most people would agree with that, I imagine, right? So 
The first thing that any Christian should do, if you're asking me, and I've mentioned this over the last, you know, two months, is the minute that we say yes to Jesus, as an adult, as a teenager, as a child that has the ability to make a decision for themselves, when we say yes to Jesus, what's wrong? Is there study? From here? No. No, no, no. Hey, wait, still static? Is it still static? No. Still static? Still static? I can't hear static. No static? All right, let's go. Still got two hands. Now, see what the devil does? Tries to put you off, wants to tie one hand behind my back by making me have to hold a mic. No way, Jose. Mel... Really? That just, come on. And so today, (laughs) what we're going to talk about is putting the Lord first. Like, Like, I just feel like the wind's just taken out. Anyway, so, where was I going? When you get baptized, it's a sign to everyone around you that you're actually putting Jesus first for the rest of your life. It's a sign that you're going to do his will. I wanted to flag that because I want to say again, for those that are part of this family, Family Life Church, for those that are watching at home, if you've not been baptized yet, you get baptized. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Some of us as grown up as Catholics, got baptised as babies. That's awesome. And you may be able to say, well, I'm going to live in that. But the truth is, as a child, you weren't able to repent of the life that you'd lived yet. You weren't able to turn around for Jesus. So part of putting your life first is being baptised. If you've not been baptised, we as a church believe in baptism. Get baptized. The water's warm. You've got nothing to be fearful of. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are, but if you can make a conscious decision to say yes for Jesus, to say to those around you, I'm going to put him first, then come and see me. Yeah? Baptism is important for your life. I can't show you on paper, but I can guarantee you in spirit that it unlocks something in the spiritual world of your life. Yeah? Speak to anyone who's been baptized, and they'll tell you their stories over time. Anyway, now think about the life of Jesus for a minute. He comes from heaven and he's an obedient young man and he never ever sins at all. And he's been called to the ministry and he has this crazy three years and there's pressure all around him from crowds, from people. And yet even with all that pressure, in the midst of three years of ministry, he never sins. He was always in perfect harmony with the Father. Always in perfect harmony. Now, Jesus is divine, which means he's God, yeah? But, but he's also fully man. At the end of verse 38, Jesus actually declares his short-term mission. He tells us what he's here to do. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. So he's giving us a glimpse of what he needs to do for the Father. Yet what we also know about Jesus is that there's an even bigger plan 
that, than that, than just preaching to the local villages because he has an ultimate plan. And Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's bigger than just the, the local church, the local community, a ransom for many. So his bigger plan was always bigger than local villages. So we always, 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 always see Jesus doing the will of God at the right time in the season of his life, depending on what Father's actually showing him. Because he looks to see what Father does, and then he joins with the Father. And for the time being, he's preaching around Galilee, but we know then that the call is going to take him through Jerusalem. It's going to take him basically into a, onto a cross, into a tomb, ascending to heaven. It actually is much bigger than just preaching to the local village. So Jesus is doing God's will, yeah? He's doing God's will. Everything about Jesus is to do the will of the Father. He doesn't need to make his ministry seem bigger. You know, sometimes you speak to people and they try to paint a picture of their life or their ministry or their business and they always slightly embellish it to make it better or bigger than what it really is. Jesus never even had to do that, even though it was going to be bigger because in Mark's gospel, he's often saying, shh, don't tell anyone, shh. Don't say this. Shh, go away. You know, like he's often doing that. And why does he do that? He does that because he's so confident in God. He's so confident in the plan of God for his life that he doesn't even have to question it. He doesn't have to talk about it. He just simply does it. Yeah. He just simply does it. He does God's will. So the first thing I wanted to say is if we want to walk in new beginnings, if we want to really grab hold of them, we need to put God's will first in our life. We must put God's will first in our life. Just the thought of that, yeah? Think about it. God's will first in your life. <laughs> that means he's everything, all the time. Not just on a Sunday morning, not just on a Saturday night, not just on a Tuesday night Bible study. That means he is number one, Every day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of that hour, even while we're asleep. You know, I, I've heard um, that often Bill Johnson shares that his wife wakes him because in his sleep he's praying to God. Even in his sleep, yeah? Even in our sleep, we can put God first. We can put him first and do his will. See, we don't have to do anything wild. You and I don't have to do anything weird for God. All we have to do is his will. Yeah, that, That's all we have to do. And that should actually take the pressure off us, shouldn't it? To know that we don't have to make something up or, or, or create something or make it bigger than what it really is. All we have to do is be authentic. All we have to do is what the Father wants us to do, is what the Father asks us to do. That, that's all we have to do. And I see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus humbles himself to the call of the Father over and over and over again. Yes, Jesus is healing. We read that in Mark in the last few weeks. The sermons I've preached, we've looked at the healing that Jesus is doing. And, and that's wow, and that's awesome. He's facing up to evil. He, he casts out demons. You know, verse 39 of this, passage, this part of the passage says, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in synagogues and driving out demons. So he's even showing that, he, that he's got power over the devil. 
That means he's got power over the enemy that may come in our life. Yeah? Then if he's got power over the enemy that might come into our life, that means you and I have victory all the time. Even when we look like we're facing defeat, we actually have victory all the time. I reckon that's really exciting. So then Jesus preaches a message on repentance and follow the Lord. People are running after him everywhere, right through the beginning of Mark. And, and some are, are coming because they've got some mixed emotions. Some are, are joyous with Jesus. Some are unhappy with him. Some are confused. But what gets me is this. Somehow the disciples, right, the disciples seem to be missing the will of God. And all they seem to be noticing is the big crowds. It's like, hey, Jesus, there's a bit of pressure on us at the moment. The pressure's getting bigger. It, it doesn't matter if you're, you're praying or, or not, Jesus. In fact, it, it doesn't matter if you're exhausted or not, Jesus. We just, we just want the big crowds to keep coming in. So, hey, where are you, Jesus? There's people looking for you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Just want the big crowds to keep coming in. I'm not talking about football or cricket. I'll tell you something. There's a world of difference between the excitement of a miracle and the obedience of a disciple. Yeah, There is a world of difference between the excitement of a miracle and the obedience of a disciple. Think about it. Has God answered your prayers? Yeah. But what about the prayers where someone says, Oh God, if you would do this for me, I will do this for you and that would be great. Now, seriously, let's be honest. Let's, let's, how many times have one of us prayed that at least once? Never. I do that all the time. God, give me touch lotto. If you give me touch lotto, God, I'll give you 10%. <laughs> I know it should be 15. Um, like so many of us, if we think about our Christian life, we've said, God, if you will help me here, I will do this. Now, I know that's a sweeping generalization for some, but then God actually answers our prayers and then we kind of go back to sleep and carry on with life as normal. Yeah? And God says, hello? 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 I, I, I was hoping that, that you might take that answered prayer and turn it into doing my will. I was hoping that you might turn this glorious miracle into some kind of obedience that gives glory to me. Hello? See, I actually believe that, in, particularly in this passage, but in life in general, people are seeking a hero. They're seeking a miracle worker. I'm not sure they're interested in surrendering. Not so keen on repentance and godliness and turning your life around. You know, I, I wonder whether the spirituality of Israel is not unlike the spirituality of, of, of even our community today, really, when you think about it. You know, we're often, we're so obsessed with our comfort or the lives that we live that we don't always want to do God's will. Make no mistake that we see Jesus here in all his deity, in all his godliness, in all his greatness, but we also see Jesus here under pressure. And I think it's good for us to know that Jesus obeyed the Father. He obeyed the Father's will even when he was under pressure. Yeah. 
who's ever been under pressure? All of us, yeah? Who's ever suffered stress in life at some times? Come on. Like, if you haven't suffered stress, uh, don't, don't, no deal, I'm not believing it, you know? Like, hello? It's a pretty stressful world that we're living in right now. Like, totally. Just to follow the news can be totally exhausting. And I think that's why it's probably important to switch off from that and, and focus above all on God's Word. Something that um, Mel said to me last night, I think it was, but the last couple of days, because um, we often make conscious decisions to do things, Mel made a conscious decision to not answer her phone for a day and a half to two days. I'm not going to answer it. If you, as a husband, if you want to ring me, ring the home phone, and when I hear you come through the answering machine, I'll pick that up. Not answering the phone, no text messages. I just want to spend time with the Lord. Then she said last night, you know, I actually feel like a weight has come off me just from not answering and looking at my phone. My point is sometimes we just got to switch off on the stuff that's happening around us, no matter how important it is, because sometimes self-care is more important and your spiritual life is more important. Yeah, to be able to refocus on God, yeah, above all things. So Jesus is under pressure, and yet we see Jesus refusing to be pressured, yeah, into doing something that isn't God's will. He, he will not be forced to do something that's not part of his Father's will. And, and I think sometimes we do that. What I mean by that is, I actually think we choose something that isn't God's will. We choose, you and I, yeah, we choose to worry. We choose to be anxious. We choose to be angry. We choose to panic. We choose. Are any of those things part of God's will? Sometimes we choose those things rather than trust and rather than prayer. This isn't, this isn't me being critical. Yeah? This is commentary of the life that we live as believers. Yeah? That there is something more. And, and sometimes we just need somebody to point it out to us. I might be painting a picture now that you're thinking, yes, that's me. Don't worry. Mel's painted that picture for me already. That's why I'm here painting it again. Yeah. Sometimes we just need someone to point it out to us and say, dang, you're right. I haven't been trusting. I've been so freaking out about that. I should have just really rested and relied and trusted in him. You know, verse 36 reads, Simon and his companions went to look for him. So Peter comes to Jesus. The interesting thing of this scripture is that Simon and his companions, it's an unusual word, an unusual phrase, because usually we don't see the word companions. Usually we actually see the word disciples. So what we don't know from this passage what we don't know is if the other disciples were there or how many of the other disciples were there. We don't know. What we do know is that some people that were there were important to Jesus. That's what we do know. And he's at prayer and there's a whole crowd, a whole crowd that wants to see him. Now, of course they want to see Jesus. If I was there, I would want to see Jesus, yeah? Wouldn't we? We'd all want to see Jesus. But the scripture tells us he's focusing on prayer. He's focusing on the Father. And so Simon Peter and these men, they come and say, Jesus, Jesus, come on, dude. Hello, everyone's looking for you, man. Everyone's looking for you. And I actually think that line, that, that, that verse, there's a kind of a mild rebuke to Jesus. Yeah, What are you doing praying? 
Like, where are you? You're praying again? We've got business to do. Come on, how about doing business? How, how about being with the people, Jesus? The people need you. That's what you get paid to do. It hurts a pastor, doesn't it? Why are you praying? Why are you preparing? This should just be natural. It should just come off the cuff. Why, why are you spending time in the Word? How about the people? Jesus refuses to allow that to sting his heart. And what's Jesus' response to pressure? What, what's Jesus' response to the intensity of the moment? We've got to look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I wonder if it was the change of time in daylight savings and that was the reason. Who knows, right? Because I know when that happens here, it's all over, Red Rover. You know, we put the clock forward. Which way is it? If it's 10 o'clock and we put the clock back and now it's 9 o'clock. No, it's when we go the other way. We get people that are either really early or really late. It's really funny. Like, it's just like we can't do it as Aussies. It doesn't, doesn't work. Thank God for smartphones that do it for us. But anyway, really early in the morning. So it was still dark and Jesus left the house. Now, the reality is that sometimes I can pray at home. Like, I can. I can pray at home. I can sit down. I can, I, I can, I can open the Bible. I can do a devotional. But sometimes I need to leave the house, I, which is my preference, really. Because sometimes I like to talk to the Lord out loud. Not just in my head. If I do it just in my head, I find sometimes I get distracted. But if I'm talking out loud, I find myself less distracted. So if I'm in my car driving or if I'm in the auditorium here, they're perfect places because I can pace and I can talk out loud. I can get angry. I can get sad. I can cry. I don't wake anyone at home. Sometimes I've got to get out of the house. Sometimes I go to a cafe and I just do some reading there, yeah, at my favorite cafes. I haven't done that as much now because my favorite cafe is just on the other side of the wall there and I make a good coffee. So sometimes I just need some space where I can talk to the Lord. The thing is, and the funny thing is, it was Jesus that said, go into your room and close the door. We know in Matthew 6, 6 it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen, and it goes on. Yet it was also the same Jesus that went into the mountains to pray. So my point is, sometimes, yes, you can pray at home, but sometimes you've got to leave your premises. You've got to get away from the situation. You've got to move to a place where you can actually get with the Father. So he would also, Jesus would also get out of the house so he could pray. The point is, you and I, we need time with the Father. So if it's not working at home, whether it's early in the morning or late at night or in the middle of the day, get out of the house. Go somewhere where you can focus on the Father. And who needs time with the Father? All of us. Let's see who can be honest. How many times are we so busy so pressured and, and squeezed that we rush and don't spend as much time as we should. That's awesome. I'm glad, Ruby, that you are, the rest of us have not reached that level of deity yet, but we're working towards it. <laughs> the truth is probably all of us get so busy with life 
so busy with family, so frustrated with friends, so flat out at work, that always, 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 the thing that misses out is God. I can, man, I can put money on it. It's always God. God gets stitched all the time. All the time. We're going on holidays. Holidays are good. Yeah, right. We're renovating our home. Renovating's good. There's a thousand things, but it's always God time that misses out. Always God time. It's always the first. You speak to people and find out, look to see why they're not here, they're not doing this. It's always God time. I don't know why it's God time. But the thing that we need more than anything else is time with Father God. And so here, even Peter, Peter seems to be missing the point. Like he's totally missing it. They're knocking at your door, Jesus. We need another healing, Jesus. First thing, the first thing to put God first is doing his will. But the second thing to put God first is we have to reject the pressure of the world through the power of prayer. We have to reject the pressure of the world through the power of prayer. You know, to put God first, you know, we'll have to reject the pressure of that world and even good things will come our way. I'm telling you, even things that are awesome will come our way. But good things that will try to take us away from fellowship with the Father. You and I, we're not called to be recluses. We're not called to be hermits. We're not called to be alone. Now, we're not called to spend all our time, every time, all the time in prayer. We're not called for that either because we're also called to go into the world. So sometimes it requires an action, yeah? But the believer needs to have a relationship with the Father that's alive and well, that's transparent and honest and vulnerable. And to be able to do that, we're going to have to learn to say no to things, sometimes even good things. And absolutely no to the pressures of this world. So how do we do that? How do we maintain our walk with, with Abba? Through the power of prayer. It is through the power of prayer. Isn't it interesting that the area of the church that is so weak across the Western world is prayer? You just have to speak to the churches here in Ballarat about their prayer time and trying to get people together to pray. This is not about conviction. I'm just, I'm painting a picture that happens everywhere, yeah? You could be a church of 200, how many at your prayer meeting? Eight. You're a church of 50, how many at prayer meeting? Seven. You're a church of 300, how many at prayer meeting? 15. It is really interesting that it's always God that gets stitched. I'm not trying to convict, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking, yeah? Here at Family Life Church, we can't do anything without the power of prayer. We can't. And in life, when we have problems and we, we have issues that pop up, sometimes we just have to leave the house. And sometimes we just have to walk around the block. And sometimes we just need to say, hey, God, here's the problem. I lay it before you now. Yeah? I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious. I, I won't let pressure and the stress dominate my life. Lord, you are my God. I mean, who's ever uttered these words? Lord, you're my king. My king. Oh, my goodness. Have a look what that was like in days gone by, if someone was your king. Imagine the times that we've said, I'm, I'm, Lord, maybe that's what we should be saying. I'm going to turn away. I'm going to live opposite to this. I'm, going to, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to live in anxiety anymore. I'm not going to let these things bother me. I'm going to leave them behind me. Jesus, you are my head. We don't always like living like that, but do we? 
I, I was really, this, sound, this is going to come across wrong. I was really excited that Mel was playing that video for offering, right? Because if I'm talking about giving alone, people allow worry and anxiety, yeah, the concerns of bills and stuff to get ahead of their giving. You know, I can, I can show you very clearly, Jesus, Jesus, New Testament Jesus, for those that are listening at home, Jesus talks about giving 10%, very clearly twice. Very clearly twice. Starting point, yeah. Yet the, the cares of this world, the, the, the cares seem to, again, push Jesus aside all the time. If you talk to the church pastors in every location across our, our state, across Australia, across the world. The issue with every church is, hey, we want to do this, but how come people aren't giving? I'm so stoked that here at Family Life Church, a majority of our people are so, so consistent in their giving. But I can also say very, very lovingly, we also have people that love the church that do not give to this house. That's okay. I don't want your money. We need it. Yeah, we need it because there's always stuff. There's always things to pay. You know, it's just the way things are. Church grows, gets bigger, gets a new building, does this. Builds, build, you know, builds just grow. But the pressure, the pressure, you either do, you either do the Father's will, you either give the way that he's asked you to give, yeah, or you're giving in to the pressure around you. You can't serve God and put him first in sections and parts of your life. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You can't say, I'm going to serve him with my hand, but I'm not going to serve him with my pocket. I'm going to serve him with my feet, but I'm not going to serve him with my mouth. You can't do that. That's not how it works. If you want your new beginnings, then you need to do the will of God. If you want to do the will of God, you have to put God first. And if you're not stepping into your new beginnings, I'm just going to flag it. Maybe you haven't put him first. Maybe you're not actually doing his will completely. Just a thought, yeah? I just, this, this might seem tough, but wow, we talk about some of this stuff with our boys. I, I want the best life now that I can have with Jesus. I, I love the fact that you know, uh, look at Scott and Jen, our friends, um, missionaries that are going overseas again. I love the faith that a missionary has to put in God. But everywhere, with their children, when they're in a foreign country, with their finances, because they're not working full time, so they've got to trust feeble us or people that are supporting them. I love their level of faith. But it's only when you step out of the boat into that area that you get to see God's provision and faith and love and generosity at work. If you never step out, you'll never see it. The only reason that we've heard stories about people that get that million-dollar check, you know, <laughs> is because they're in the million-dollar debt. Think about that one. So God's given us something really special this passage is it, it's super special because as a pastor, I often have people tell me what I should do. I've become really loud here, Stephen. Um, you know, re really loud for me, sorry, it's ringing in my ears. So often people are telling me what I should do and, and I have people tell me that what they think the church should do and sometimes they're really good things and that's great, but sometimes, can I be honest, they're terrible. Like they're terrible things. And I have to put a smile on my face. 
I go, wow, that's awesome. That is so good. Thank you. Wow, I just love that. Thanks for sharing. Now, let me say this. It's not that we don't listen. That, that would be arrogance to think that we're never affected or we can't learn from others, right? But I'm talking about that voice that's not of the Spirit. I'm talking about that Simon Peter and his companion's voice. Lord, everyone's looking for you voice. I'm talking about the kind of flesh voice. And I so love this that I'm actually free to do the will of God. Yeah? And we do that, you and I, we do that in community together. Together we do that. And we have to be careful not to separate ourselves from God's family. You and I are called, yes, to separate ourselves, but from the things of this world. We're not called to separate ourselves from God's family. We're called to separate ourselves from fleshly things, things that would take away from the obedience to our Father. You know, many have asked over the years, why are you following God, you know? Why are you involved in church? I often get unbelievers because I do like playing my Xbox. And so I have friendships with different people across the country and overseas. They often ask me, why do you even go to church? I don't believe church. Like, I have the best confronting conversation sometimes. Why do you even care about that stuff? Do you know, sometimes the only way to respond, not to their face, but certainly in my head and heart, is get behind me saying, because I know why I believe what I believe. And it doesn't matter how much I explain to you why I believe what I believe. You're just going to argue with me. Yes. Anyway, so in my head and my heart, get behind me, Satan, while I pray for you. Yeah. Sometimes we need to do that with people in our lives. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's friends. You know, there's something about the will of God. You know, you can be somewhere, it could be dangerous, there's storms that pass, you could be in a place where military invades, fires burn, and yet somehow you come out unscathed, you're spared. And I don't think we ever really know what we've been spared from in life, but I'll say this, you're safer in the will of God, yeah, and doing what he's asked, than you are thinking you know better. Yeah. You're safer in the will of God and doing what he's asked and thinking you know better. There are times when the enemy has a hold of someone and they'll try to squeeze the life out of you. They will try to squeeze the ministry out of you. They'll try to squeeze the very thing that God has called you to do. Sometimes it might even be those that are close to the kingdom. Simon Peter and his companions might be that pressured voice of the world that stops you being obedient to God. How do you know the difference? Only through prayer through the power of prayer. You know, there will be those in our life that will try to squeeze the life out of our ministry. Even Peter says to Jesus, what are you doing? Everyone's looking for you. And don't you love it that our Savior wasn't pressured by the stress? He wasn't pressured by the political power around him, you know? He wasn't pressured by his beloved team and they were, they were a good team. How do we know they were a good team? Because Jesus says very clearly, when I'm going, I'm giving the reins to you. He wasn't intimidated. He did the will of the Father because he was walking with the Father in prayer. You know, you talk to the Father about giving and I can promise you, <laughs> Holy Spirit will always lead you to the side of faith. You talk to the Father about giving and Holy Spirit will always lead you to the side of faith. Always. That's how we're supposed to live. In him, if he's first if he has the position in our lives. 
You know, this is my world and your world, and the pressure's, the, there's, there's pressure, there's a stack of pressure that's on us. Don't do God's will, don't go there, don't go overseas, don't give, don't sacrifice, don't, don't, don't. But just because we've got people in our lives that we know or friends that are doing or, 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 or giving into the pressure doesn't mean that we've got to do that too. You know, the question for all of us today is, will, will you give into the pressure? Or, or do you want to do the will of God? Like, seriously, is Jesus everything to you? Like, everything. To those that are home, is Jesus everything to you? Now, the third point is this. We put God first in fellowship with Jesus. How do you put him first? Have fellowship with Jesus. How do you put him first? Have fellowship with Jesus. How do you put him first? Have deep, intimate fellowship with Jesus. I'm not sure what Father God's will is. I'll give you a clue. Put him first. How? Have deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. We put God first, not, not, not like a, a, a badge on our chest, like we're a hero, you know. <laughs> I put God first in my life. It's not like that. Because when we put God first in our lives, it can be scary. But... The brilliance is that we actually have Holy Spirit. We have Jesus living inside of us. Yeah, 1 John 1.3, it's Jesus living in me. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our job, my job, isn't to follow the world. Our job is to follow the Father. Our job is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our job is to glorify Jesus. And, and that's the role in life for everyone that says yes to Jesus. And I'll, I'll guarantee you this, the world will mock you. The world will mock you. <laughs> I get mocked by my family when they find out how much Mel and I sow into the kingdom of God. Totally get mocked. My brother and sister-in-law, if they ever watch this, I, this will be an interesting Christmas lunch, I guess, this year or Easter. Or if they come at all. But often it's like, are you serious? Do you know, if you didn't give that, do you know what you could do? Do you know what you could buy? Do you know what you could extend? Do you know what you could renovate? Do you know, do you know, do you know, do you know? All the time. So I love to throw back exactly what we give to freak them out. I don't lower the number and I don't exaggerate the number, but I like to freak them out. This is how much we give. Are you an idiot? Nah, man, but I've sold out for Jesus and I'm just doing what he's asked me to do. I say to my son all the time, if you can't give a dollar out of 10, if you can't give $10 out of 100, if you can't give 100 out of 1,000, you will never give 1,000 when it comes to 10,000. Because it sounds like when you've got more, it's so easy, I've got it because then I can pay my bills. But God doesn't want your crumbs. Man, if I could share that with the Christian world, God doesn't want your crumbs. He wants the best of you, the best of your treasure, the best of your talent, the best of your time. Why? Because he sent his son to die on a cross. And yet we, we go, oh, we're doing this. I loved his examples, you know. I gave it to my friend next door because they needed it. That's an awesome offering, but what did you give to God? And you know what? If you don't trust the church, don't worry about it because it's not up to you to trust the church. It's up to you to be faithful and put God first and give him the place of honour. 
This message isn't supposed to be about giving, but giving is so important that if you can't get your giving right, how are you going to give part of your life? Because when you give your time, you can never get that back. That's gone. The world will mock you. And I'm sure that now that we've got the render, did anyone notice the render out the front on the top? The bricks were gone. Yeah, I know, right? For those that noticed, it looked awesome. For those that didn't notice, go out and have a look. That means that our, finally I'm getting closer to putting our new name on the front, Family Life Church. I can guarantee you that when we change it, there'll be people that will mock the name. <laughs> Family Life Church, what a ridiculous name. Like I can hear it already. And then there'll be others that'll say, that's a rocking name. I wish we thought of it. Well, you didn't. God gave it to us. You know? Like, I'm sure that when we start to develop the parcel of land out here, the dreams that we have that will keep this church running for the next 100 years and having townhouses that we own for emergency housing and, 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 and that stuff, but I'm telling you, people are going to mock us. And when we're talking about putting a childcare over there, knowing that there's childcare here, here and here, they're going to mock us. But what they don't know is if we're doing God's will, man... All we, we don't have to do the wild. We don't have to do the weird. We just have to do what he's told us to do. Yeah. Ephesians 1.22, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church. Let's declare today that as we walk into our new beginnings, as we walk into new levels of obedience, of doing God's will, let's declare that this is only possible if Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Let's declare that Jesus is the head of the church. It's his church. He's our leader. And the devil will attack. But the Bible's really clear. It says the devil will attack. Jesus will build his church. And when he builds his church, the gates of high will not prevail. Yeah? He's the head of the church. And he is everything to me. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. We have to give him the first place in our hearts and our lives. I've gone so over six minutes. We have to... Place him first in our time and our treasure and our talents. And I know this for some will sound like old school Christianity. Yeah? But sometimes it may be old school, but sometimes we just need to hear it fresh. And we need to receive it fresh. So let's not worry. Let's not be anxious. Let's not be pressured. But Jesus be my champion. Jesus be my head. Jesus be the King and Lord of my life. Why? Because he's our head. Why don't we stand Let me ask a couple of questions as I finish. Is it any surprise that Jesus is full of obedience to his Father and, and he's about to go through the most holy moment in human history? You know, he's breaking bread with the disciples. He's on his way to Calvary. Yeah. And is it any surprise that again and again they actually struck him on the head with a stick and spat on him? On the head. Think of the word head right is it any surprise that the guards twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head is it any surprise that those that passed by and yelled insults at him the bible is very clear to mention they shook their heads you know john 2 20 and you were going to build a temple in three days were you god <laughs> is it any surprise that the attack came upon the head of jesus it's because he's the head of all things. It's because he's the head of all things. It's because he's the head and supposed to be the head of our lives. Amen. And so the world will try to attack 
the head of Jesus in your life. Every attack of the devil that comes our way, <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're part of a church, part of this church, I want to say this. Every attack of the enemy that comes into your life is an attack on the headship of Jesus in your life. Storms may come. Storms may come our way. I said a couple of weeks ago, life is tissue paper thin. Yeah? Life is tissue paper thin. And <laughs> even Spurgeon, here's a quote from Spurgeon. We'll keep it super godly today. We shall soon die. <laughs> Thank you, Spurgeon. The death rate has remained the same. We're all going to die once. Generally, some of you have been resuscitated. You might come back twice. Who knows? But generally once. That doesn't change this. Jesus is our head. And he took all the pressure on himself so that we can trust him and in every and all situations. So today, today, as we walk away from here today, the first thing to put God first is we have to do his will. The second thing to put God first is we've got to reject the pressure of the world and we can only do that through the power of prayer. And the third thing to put God first is to have fellowship with Jesus. Yeah. So I'm going to pray. Is that all right? I want to pray that all of us in this room and those that are listening at home will be able to declare that Jesus is king will be able to declare that Jesus is Lord of my life, your life. Be able to declare that he's the head, the head of our lives, yeah? So, Father, we do thank you, <laughs> Lord, that you can challenge us at times. Lord, you make us laugh at times. God, sometimes you make us cry. But, Lord, what we do know is that you have all things under control. We know that the enemy is defeated. We know that the gates of hell shall not prevail. And we thank you, Father, that Jesus gave us an example that no matter how much pressure came to him, came around him, pressed upon him, he continued to do your will and he refused, refused to do anything that wasn't of you. I thank you for that example. I thank you that he's our brother that walks with us. I thank you that he's our brother that talks with us. I thank you that, Lord, through Holy Spirit, you're our comforter that guides us. I thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And when we're in the midst of pressure... I thank you, Father, that you are there to sustain us, to strengthen us, and to propel us. So, Lord God, this day, Lord, will you take this challenge? Lord, will you shape us? Will you prune us? God, will you do what we need to do in each of our hearts, God? Will you do such a work that, Lord, you would receive the glory? So, Lord God, I thank you, Lord, for all those that are listening. I thank you for those that are here. Lord, I thank you for the time that they've given. And, Lord, I pray an extra blessing upon each life, Father this day in Jesus name and everyone said so have a lovely Sunday <laughs> be challenged to make him the head and the Lord of your life have a coffee it does ease the pain right uh, and apart from that we love you all thank you for being with us today at Family Life Church Amen